my name's Pete. <clears throat> I'm an ordinand in the Church of England, um, which means I'm basically training for future ministry. And uh, I'm part of this fellowship too, uh, as part of my placement. And it's a privilege to bring God's word to you today. Uh, so do open up Luke 11. And we're starting at verse 37. And that's on page 1043. 1043. And before we hear God's word, uh, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are a speaking God. You speak to us through your word and you change our hearts by your spirit. And we pray that that would be true this morning, that you would work in us. Uh, that which makes us more like Jesus. Please help us uh, concentrate on what your word says this morning and to pay attention to what it says. In Jesus' name, amen. So Luke 11 from verse 37. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Then the Lord said to him, now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kind of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter, without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves which people walk over without knowing it. One of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. Jesus replied, And you experts in the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Woe to you, because you built tombs for the prophets, and it was your ancestors who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets, and you built their tombs. Because of this, God in his wisdom said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill, and others they will persecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that has been shed since the beginning of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. Woe to you experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who are entering. When Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, have you ever wondered what it would be like if someone could know everything you thought or felt, even just for one day? If someone could see every thought or every desire you had, it's quite a scary thought, isn't it? Well, today we're going to be seeing what Jesus thinks of the human heart. By that, I don't mean the organ that's pumping blood around your body. 
Uh, I mean uh, who you are inside, deep down. Our thoughts, our feelings, our attitudes, our values, our desires. Well, the first thing Luke shows us in this passage is that God cares deeply about the human heart. Um, You should have a little outline on the back of your notice sheet. That's our first point this morning. God cares deeply about the human heart. The Pharisees thought that doing religious things was enough to earn God's favor. They failed to love God from their hearts and instead cared only for themselves. And this brought uh, punishment uh, from Jesus. In our passage this morning, Jesus meets two groups of people. Uh, The Pharisees were like the religious elite of uh, Jesus' day. They cared a lot about the Jewish law, so much so that they thought that the more observance they did, uh, the more right with God they would become. Um, So they actually added more to the law than what was required. And the second group are called the experts in the law, or lawyers. Uh, We see them in verse 45. Uh, These were really part of the same Pharisee group. And uh, their focus was basically on trying to make sure that the Jews kept this Pharisaical law um, that the Pharisees had had come up with, as well as the Torah. So outwardly, the Pharisees seemed pretty religious and pretty righteous. They made sure to uh, wash their hands thoroughly, uh, verse 38, before they they ate anything. They didn't just uh, tithe their income, they also gave 10% of all the snips of of herbs on their windowsill. Uh, That's in verse 42. And in verse 43, they sat in all the most important seats in Jewish society. But have a look at what Jesus thinks of them. Verse 39. He says, Inside, you are full of greed and wickedness, you foolish people. Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? And then in verse 42, he says, You've neglected justice and the love of God. Verse 46, Jesus said, uh, they weighed people down with burdens that they didn't help them with. And then verse 52, they stopped people coming to know God, including themselves. You see, these religious leaders, they were meant to care for God's people as a shepherd cares for his sheep. They were meant to love God's people. They were meant to teach his people God's ways and to help them walk with him. But instead, they cared only for themselves. The other day, uh, I pulled from the fruit bowl what I thought was a delicious-looking orange. Okay, I picked it up. It was juicy. It looked delicious. I turned it over, and it was full of mold. It was horrible. It definitely wasn't worth eating. But the point is, you don't always know what's lurking underneath, do you? Jesus here in our passage is lifting the lid on the Pharisees' hearts. He's exposing them. He's showing us what's inside. And what we see inside is not pretty at all. It's quite surprising, isn't it? Because you'd think that for someone so deeply religious as as a Pharisee, you'd expect them to be squeaky clean on the inside, right? Well, Jesus goes on to say that not only had they neglected the poor, neglected justice, loaded people down with burdens, they actually tried to shut God out. Verse 47, have a look down there. It says, woe to you, because you build tombs for the prophets, and it was your ancestors who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your ancestors did. God's prophets were, in a sense, the mouthpiece of God. 
they brought the word of God to his people, but often they were ignored and sometimes they were killed by God's own people from the beginning to the end of Old Testament history. In this little section, verse 47 to 51, Jesus is saying the Pharisees are just like their ancestors who also tried to kill off God. They're actually worse because they should have learned from the mistakes of their ancestors, but they hadn't. And because of this, verse 50, Jesus says, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets since the beginning of the world. This isn't just a slap on the wrist, is it? This is serious because they've pushed God himself away. And Jesus has exposed them for who they really are. They're fraudsters. They look to all the world to be doing the right thing, but inside they're rotten. Uh, When a fraudster takes someone's credit card and starts to uh, book hotels and and buy expensive meals and uh, rent a car, they're pretending to be someone they're not, aren't they? They're pretending to be you when actually they're someone completely different. Well, Jesus is here exposing the Pharisees for being fraudulent shepherds, fraudulent pastors of God's people. And he's not going to stand for any of it. But this isn't just a problem for leaders, is it? I won't dip into the next section too much, but just have a look at the end of verse 1 of chapter 12. Jesus said to his disciples, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. We heard something similar last week, didn't we? In chapter 11, verse 35, he said, see to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Luke is showing us really clearly what Jesus makes of hypocrisy, of people pretending to be someone that they're not. Someone with a righteous exterior but a rotten heart. God's people are to be full of light, not darkness. When we forget this, we easily slip into thinking that what goes on inside doesn't really matter. But friends, it does matter. God made your insides as well as your outsides, and he sees everything we do and don't do, everything we say, everything we think. So be on your guard because God cares deeply about your heart. The second thing we learn from our passage this morning is that we are no different. Luke puts this passage here to show us what not to be like. Um, Last week we heard about the eye as the lamp of the body. It's no coincidence then that Jesus chooses to expose the Pharisees straight after he said that. He's basically given us like a worked example of what he's been teaching the people and uh, what he'll teach again in, in chapter 12. He now shines the light on the hearts of the Pharisees and what we see is greed and corruption and wickedness and not the heart for God. You see, everyone's heart is naturally wayward. We wander away from God and we need God himself to bring us back and to keep us walking with him. We often see things in our hearts that we don't like. And sometimes something comes out that we hoped would have stayed in instead. That's why Jesus says in Mark chapter seven, it's what comes out of a person that makes him unclean. It's our hearts that need changing. 
imagine the heart as like the source of a river. So think of this nice bubbling uh, brook of a river, I don't know, somewhere in the mountains. You can think back to uh, sitting in your geography class or something. Don't know whether that fills you with joy or dread. Um, uh, but this, this water is nice. And, but imagine then that someone then reroutes a, a sewerage pipe into the source of your river. Well, no matter how many miles that water travels, that water is not going to be any good for drinking, is it? The Pharisees, right at their source, were greedy, self-seeking, and opposed to God. They may have had an impressive religious CV. They may have done lots of good outward signs, but they did it for the wrong reasons, because their hearts were polluted. And we show signs of this too, don't we? Um, When we serve in church, but then grumble about doing it, or when we perhaps serve others because we want to be seen to be serving, Perhaps we want others to know that we're giving generously. Perhaps we look for honorable positions in work or in church or somewhere where we want people to come to us for wisdom. We want people to come to us for insight. We want people to respect us. We want people to, uh, we want our friends to be, you know, we want to be the one our friends come to uh, for a laugh or for advice. In all these ways, we're just like the Pharisees, only caring about what we look like and not caring about what's going on inside us. We often neglect what our hearts are like. But the Lord sees who we really are, even our most secret thoughts and desires, and that's a scary thought. We can try and hide who we are from others, but we can't hide who we are from God. Our hearts are a bit like a minefield, and there are things we hide deep down, and sometimes a situation causes us to explode. A fit of anger, giving in to temptation, or a word of gossip. And sometimes this comes out in the open, sometimes we can keep a lid on it. But whether it comes out or not, Jesus says, these things are not welcome in your heart. The fact it's in our heart is bad enough. So if you think being a Pharisee is someone else's problem, someone else out there in the world, well, think again. This passage is for our instruction. This is a word for me and you. The Pharisee in this story isn't just him or her out there in the world or somewhere out there in the church, but it's you and me in here. And having a Pharisee's heart doesn't just affect us individually either, but it affects others. Have a look at verse 41. But now as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor. And then the middle of verse 42, but you neglect justice and the love of God. Or verse 44, you are like unmarked graves which people walk over. The attitudes of our hearts often affect others, even when we don't realize it. While the Pharisees were looking out for themselves, God's people were struggling. The poor were neglected. The vulnerable, those who had faced injustice, The attitudes of our hearts affect other people. Let's think about an example I've mentioned already. Let's say that I'm serving in church one Sunday, say I'm I'm helping out in junior church. Um, I get back in the car and I just grumble. I grumble that I'm glad it's over. I grumble that, oh, I wish I didn't have to do that. It's such a waste of time. Uh, It took me so long to prepare. Oh, it was so annoying. I'm so annoyed at how I had to give up my time to serve. 
Well, not only have I shown that I've served for the wrong reasons, but think about those who I'm grumbling to. Think about my children who will look up to me and think, well, if you don't want to serve, I don't want to serve. And they'll be thinking, well, it's okay. You know, daddy thinks it's okay to do one thing and say another. They'll be thinking that's okay. The attitudes of our hearts affect others more than we realize it. So what can we do about it? Well, two points of application. Firstly, search your heart. We often think we're too busy to do this, but it's something we need to do often. So have a think this week about one thing you think God wouldn't approve of, a particular temptation you keep falling for, or your short temper, or perhaps there's, there's someone you're envious of. Ask God to help you discover what's there and ask him for his forgiveness. Ask him to help you to work through that particular thing. So search your heart. Secondly, don't ignore Jesus' words. Where God spoke through the prophets in the past, God now speaks through his son. That's at the start of Hebrews chapter one. We read Jesus' words in the Bible. So don't ignore him like the Pharisees ignored the prophets. When you read the Bible, ask God to help you to change you. Where are you not listening to Jesus and obeying him? Where do you wish Jesus just didn't say that? Luke shows us here that having desires in our hearts that we know God would disapprove of is a dangerous thing. Jesus says, woe to them. He stands in judgment over them. For the Pharisees, he'd hold them responsible. Verse 50, and in 52, he says, they'd stop themselves from entering God's kingdom. God cares about the state of our hearts, even our most secret thoughts. Looking at our own hearts can be a really painful thing, but God doesn't leave us on our own knowing that we don't have the power within ourselves to change our hearts. Instead, he provides a wonderful solution. And that's our third point this morning. God provides a solution. Throughout this chapter, we've been seeing Jesus telling the crowds basically to stop looking for signs. The signs, what the signs were pointing to was here already. It was right in front of them. The solution to the problem of sin was and still is Jesus himself. Let's have a think about what the Pharisees wanted. What did the Pharisees want? Well, the Pharisees wanted to be seen to be clean, verse 38. Well, Jesus promises that those who trust in him would be clean, clean of all their sin, completely forgiven, not by anything man can do, but by Jesus' blood shed on the cross. The Pharisees thought they could manipulate God by doing extra good works, extra tithing. Well, God can't be manipulated. He's our rock. He's the one who gives us all we need, food and clothes, and the resources to give generously back to him, to those who need it most. Verse 43, they wanted honor and respect. Well, Jesus provides that too, not in this life, but in the one to come. In chapter nine, Jesus has already said that, those, uh, that whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for him will save it. What good is it 
for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their very self. You see, Jesus had everything that the Pharisees wanted and he offers it freely. But out of their own pride and self-righteousness, they rejected him and decided to go their own way. And Luke is showing us what a foolish decision that is. So instead of trying to cover up what's in our hearts, we need God to transform us, to give us new hearts. And God promised he would do that in Jesus. He's the only person who's ever lived whose heart was completely pure, completely devoted to his father. So our hope is not in ourselves. It's not in our self-made righteousness. Our hope is in the one who is completely righteous. And when we put our trust in him, he promises to carry our burdens for us. We don't need to hide who we are inside with him. We don't need to put on a religious mask and pretend we're okay. So come to him with your mess and say, Jesus, I need you. And he won't turn you away. He chose to come into our messy world. He chose to speak into messy lives and he chose to die at the hands of messed up people also that we could be forgiven and spend eternity with him. So when we look inside ourselves and we see the sin in our hearts, we can feel like we either don't have the power to change or that we don't really want to change. But God gives us a solution in Jesus. Not only does he change our hearts, but he also takes away the punishment that we are due. Remember in verse 50, Jesus said the Pharisees would be responsible for their rejection of God's prophets and ultimately their rejection of God himself. Well, friends, if we, if we follow that route, then that's the way we're headed to. But wonderfully, Jesus the judge offers us himself as a solution what love he has for us. Instead of us paying the price, he graciously offered himself on the cross. He took our place so that those who deserve death would instead have life. This leaves us with two options. When we see the sin in our hearts, we can do one of two things. We can justify ourselves and try and just do the right thing and uh, pretend that everything's okay. Or we can cling to the one whose heart was pure and who died so that we could live. We can't do it by ourselves, but he can. And he offers this freely in Jesus. All you need to do is trust in him, to walk with him. And as you do that, you'll hear his words and you'll want to obey them. Isn't that wonderful news? Why don't we take half a minute to reflect on what we've heard in this passage and then I'll pray. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>
Heavenly Father, we're um, really challenged by what this passage in Luke 11 says to us. And we know that our hearts are often unlovable. And yet you loved us so much that you sent your son to us to die for us so that we could spend eternity with you. Please, Lord, help us by your spirit to see what's in our hearts, even the things we really don't like, and help us to come to you for help, uh, for forgiveness, for grace. Please help us uh, to walk with you daily um, by your spirit. Help us to cling more uh, this week to the Lord Jesus, who gives us life forever with you. And we ask this in his name. Amen.